Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Buery, and as always, I'm with wildfire watcher, Dr. Lucy Jones. Each episode, we thank our supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Please consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 a month to support the work of the nonprofit. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. We appreciate your support. And now, let's get to it. We have been in wildfire season for months in California. In fact, we no longer even have just one season. We seem to have them all the time. And it's not just in California or the American West. It's across the globe and continuing to expand. We need to remember that wildfires are a natural process fundamental to many ecosystems, but their rate, intensity, and impact are being changed by human-caused global warming And it might appear that it's just simply hotter temperatures equal more fires, but it's much more complex than that, Lucy. Can you explain it? Human activity has changed wildfire ecology just about everywhere and in pretty complicated ways. The most well-known is the impact of fire suppression, particularly in conifer forests, different intensity of wildfire behave very differently. Less intense fires clear the forest floor, but leave the big trees intact. A very intense fire will burn the crowns of the big trees. In fact, it's called a crown fire, causing much more damage that will take longer to recover from. You've mentioned intensity of a fire. Can you describe what that is? It's really how hot it burns, which is connected with what percentage of the available fuel is consumed. A really intense fire, you come in afterwards and there's nothing left. Whereas often we see many trunks still standing, even some trees that are able to recover from it. So a low level fire will just be burning up the grass, the small shrubs and leaving most of the trees intact. So is the solution then allowing small fires? Unfortunately, it's not that simple in many places. I mean, if the fires become too common, you end up with nothing left to reseed the area. You could go in and thin the trees and that helps, but often the loggers want the mature trees, not the young ones that would have been burned out by the low level fires. And you know, suppression is far from the only human caused issue. Right, I mean, another big one is ignition. Human activity, power lines, cars are most obvious, provide new ways to start fires that are not a natural ignition. Right, we see this in Southern California in our chaparral systems, where when we get our strong Santa Ana winds, human activity causes ignition and we get these wind-driven fires that are often very intense. In a natural system where really your only significant source of ignition is lightning, then you're not gonna see those during the Santa Ana winds because we don't get lightning with them. That said, climate change also seems to be increasing the rate of lightning in the Western US. And we're seeing a larger percentage of our fires in the last decade or two coming from lightning, where up until now, human activity had really dominated as the main source of fires. Climate change obviously makes everything hotter, which reduces humidity and makes the area more susceptible to burn. That's another obvious part of human activity affecting the wildfire process. And we can see it really clearly when you look at forests around the world. The Arctic is actually heating faster than the rest of the world. 
and what are called boreal forests, the cold, wet forest regimes that come up towards the Arctic are burning at an extraordinary rate. We've seen a many fold increase in the rate of fires in the boreal forest around the world over the last couple of decades. So each ecosystem is unique in the way it reacts to climate change and the resulting fires. Yeah, but there are some commonalities. I mean, let's think about just what an ecosystem is. It's not something created for a special reason. Rather, it's the interrelated group of organisms that are the ones that survive in that particular climate and geology. So the boreal forests that we were just talking about are still way colder than, say, California's Sierra Nevada. But it is experiencing a climate warmer than those trees had evolved for. And every ecosystem in the world is now receiving warmer climate than they were evolved for. And therefore, we are seeing ecosystems under stress. We are getting a lot of insect infestations that are further stressing the forests, and this is all contributing, and we're getting this sort of snowballing effect, causing many more wildfires. And we are reaching the point that it's becoming a mechanism that's going to change the ecosystems. When we had natural climate change, it does happen just at a much slower rate, gradually the plants that are not well suited to the new climate get replaced by ones that are. It's happening so quickly that the only mechanism really for replacing wide-scale amounts of organisms are the wildfires. And there's significant concern, for instance, that the boreal forests will burn so often that they'll be replaced by tundra. And that has less capacity to absorb carbon dioxide than the trees had. So this becomes a slippery slope and a vicious circle all at once, that the more it happens, the more it happens because it's a self-fulfilling cycle. Climate modelers talk about tipping points, where instead of a linear relation, some change happens that changes the equations that we even use to look at how the process is moving on. It's no longer just linear getting gradually worse, but something like losing an important carbon sink means things will get worse more quickly. We'll be changing the rate at which it happens. They're hard to predict, but we know that they're a major issue. Back to those boreal forests, one of the things that we're worried about, and I think this applies to a lot of different forests, is something called legacy carbon, a thick layer of organic material on the forest floor that doesn't burn during ordinary fire seasons, but you burn repeatedly, you get down the fire strips off the protective layers and releases that legacy carbon. We now have carbon that's been stored for century getting released. In every location, the increase in wildfires is increasing the rate at which carbon is being released into the atmosphere because the fire releases carbon dioxide and you have the ash for the trees that instead of being contained within the trees is now being run off into the ocean. And the wildfires can be an accelerator of the climate warming process. Okay, sounds doom and gloom. But what really can be done about this, Lucy? With this new information some people might be hearing for the first time, understanding a little deeper about how the systems work, what can they do? Individually? There's not a lot you're doing, but you can support the social actions. And this isn't just about letting logging companies come in and remove wood. Fire suppression is far from the only issue and is not our solution. There are some important things we can do to slow down this compounding process. 
removing human ignition to the degree possible is very important. So you will see electric companies now moving to insulate their lines so that winds won't be blowing the power lines into the trees. And it's gonna add some cost to your electric bill. So one thing you can do is not fight it, support getting those type of mitigations done. We need to slow the rate at which we are damaging our forests to have any chance of getting through this. Well, let's leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you, Getting Through It. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. 